Amen, amen. Welcome. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm Bill Young. I'm one of the pastors here at the Rock Church. And before we get going, the pastors asked me, because we're going to continue with Romans, to, to do a quick highlight of our kickoff, our campaign. You have this in your program. Uh, we kicked off a mini capital campaign three weeks ago. And uh, we just wanted to highlight it again, just to keep it in front of you. It's a low, you know, just, we're just saying, if you want to be a part of it, we'd love you to do that. Um, let me just show you a couple things, because we're excited about this. Uh, the goal is to pay off our debt by the end of the year, to pay this building off. We've been here about 10 years, and we don't want to pay it off by the end of this year, which I think is totally doable. I'll show you the numbers in a second. Uh, we want to put a new patio on the west side of the building all the way down from one side to the other, all the way, and have a third, third space where we can put some heaters in the wintertime. We can hang out. We'll put some benches. We'll put some tables. And also to upgrade the sound, to uh, put some treatment on the ceiling to give us the sound that we really need in this room, okay? So here's the numbers. Just, again, a quick update. Total need is $1.3 million to do all of that. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is that we've saved over half of that already. We have that set aside in a bank account for the last four years. We've been putting money away, and we have $700,000 we are going to apply toward that. And we also, by the way, we also have a rainy day fund separate from this. So we're not using all our savings. We still have other savings. We have a $49,000 gift that came in right as somebody heard about the campaign in this last four weeks. We've got $11,000 more. So... Grand total is $553,000 to do all that by the end of the year. And we're trusting God that we're going to do it together. We can't do it alone. If we all pitch in a little bit, we can do this, okay? So how's it look? You know, if you do the math, if, you, if we conservatively look at the families in our church, uh, it'd be about a cup of coffee a day per family. It'd be about $145 per family per, per month for the rest of this year till the end of the year, and we would have it knocked out. So my wife and I, we made our pledge this week, went online. It's very simple. Uh, you just go to trc.lifeimagine, and actually I think there's a QR code in the back. You can scan that, and you can sign up to help us get our dream to get this building paid off, okay? All right. With that, let's move on to Romans. You know, the last couple weeks, Brian has done a fantastic job, hasn't he? Yes? Yeah, yeah. Such good stuff. Romans, Romans chapter 12, what an amazing chapter, and it just gets better. I'm going to finish out Romans chapter 12 tonight. There were a couple powerful exhortations, especially at the beginning that Brian talked about. Um, verses 1 and 2, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's, that's, a, that's a strong charge. And then we're, we're told to be transformed, how? By the renewing of our minds. And if you missed those messages, you can watch those online. Uh, those are the two that Brian gave uh, the last two weeks. And basically, when it boils all down, it boils all down. Brian told us that we needed to be punk rockers for Jesus, okay? <laughs> That's what he told us. He said, if you want to be countercultural today, you don't have to spike your hair and dress weird. You just have to be a born-again, Bible-believing, radical, I'm-in-love-with-Jesus Christian. That's the punk rockers of today. And we're going to be countercultural. If you're that, you're going to be countercultural today. If you're going to follow what this book says, the world's not going to like you. But you know what? Just like the punk rockers, we're going to say, we don't care. We're going to do what Jesus says. Amen? Amen. So that was the last two weeks. We're going to be punk rockers for Jesus. The question is, how do we do that? 
The good news is that Paul anticipates that question and he explains to us how we live the transformed life. In the section that we're going to look at today, I call it love does because love really is a verb. It's, it's something that we do. It's action. It's just not a feeling. It's action. And I get this title from the book Love Does by Bob Goff. Anybody read that book? Yeah, I love Bob Goff and I love this book. He tells some amazing stories. And the premise of the book is this. What would your life look like if you shamelessly showed love and grace to those around you? What if you loved um, unapologetically, shamelessly? You just loved people the way Jesus calls us to love. And in today's verses, Paul's going to help us to do that. He is actually going to help us know what it looks like to live with a renewed mind, a transformed life. And he does it in a way that's different than really any way he's taught in Romans so far. I mean, most of the time in Romans when we read it, you guys have seen it, Paul has some deep theological thinking, some long sentences, some things you drill down, you go, what did he just say? And we have to dig down. These verses are not that. Okay, these verses are so different. They're really a volley of short and sharp injunctions with very little explanation. He just throws them out there. Um, They're like little biblical bullet points. And I kind of like it. Except that there's like 30 messages in these few verses. I've taught whole messages on some of these verses. Uh, But for us, it's going to be fantastic because it can be very, very practical. John Stott, the theologian, says about these verses that they're staccato imperatives. Little short imperatives. Things that we should do. And that's what we're going to look at. Um, The emphasis is on doing, and that's my prayer tonight, is that we leave as doers. We're going to do the word. It says in James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but, but what should we do? Do what it says. Do what it says. And the Bible always tells us that. It's not enough. In fact, it's dangerous. It's dangerous for you to listen to this message tonight and not leave and do something about it. It says you'll be, you could be deceived. You'll deceive yourselves if you simply listen and go, oh, that was a really good message, and you walk out, and you don't do anything about it. So tonight, my prayer is, um, well, first we're going to look at 10 practical things that love does. And my prayer all this week has been that every one of us, every one of us would have at least one thing, one practical application for our own lives. Out of these 10 points, I'm believing that you're going to get one thing, at least one thing that you write down and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to apply faith and I'm going to love differently than I did before I came in here. And if that happened, think about that. We'd have, I, I, at first I think we'd have like a thousand acts of faith if we just took one, but I know the kids aren't even here. So let's say 600. Acts of faith coming out of this message. I think that would please God, and I think that could change the world around us, don't you? 600 acts of faith coming out of this message, that's my prayer. And let's start, I've got a lot to cover. You say, how is Bill Young going to cover 10 points? It's because you have faith. You're going to have to believe with me in such a short time. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have something you want to say tonight. I thank you for what Paul writes so practically For us to love in a way that honors you, that reflects you, that reflects a transformed life, 
a, a life that's sacrificed for you. And I pray that each one of us, Lord, you know that's my prayer, each one of us would leave tonight with at least one practical thing that they're going to do. They're going to do it when they leave. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You do have some blanks you can fill out if you want to. Follow along. Ten practical things that love does. All right? First one. Get to it here. Love is sincere and honest with the truth. Love, and, and this first verse is kind of an overarching verse for all the rest of the verses in this section. It's really, everything's covered by love. It's like dipping everything I'm going to say in a big bucket of chocolate love, okay? That, that's how you want to see it, all right? Everything is covered in love. And love is sincere and honest with the truth. Verse 9, the first part of verse 9 says, love must be sincere. In other versions it says, uh, love is, uh, let love not have hypocrisy. This idea of being sincere, it's, it's that idea of being authentic, telling the truth. Um, the word sincere actually, it's interesting. From the Latin, two words, sin and serus, without wax. And I've shared this before, but sincere. It says love, let love be sincere. It must be. And the idea is in the day, if you went to a uh, way back, if you were going to go have somebody make a marble bust of somebody's head, like Alexander the Great, um, you paid them to make this sculpture for you. When you went to pick it up and pay for it, you'd say, is it sincere? In Latin, you'd say it. Is it sincere? In other words, is it without wax? Because what happened was if there were imperfections in the marble, the sculptor could kind of hide those with rubbing wax on the sculpture and rubbing it down, and it would hide the imperfections. So they'd ask, is it without wax? Oh, it is. Well, let me test it. So they would take it, and they put it in the sun. And if it didn't have wax, it'd be fine. But if it did have wax, guess what? It would melt. It would, and, and the imperfections and the faults would come out, and you'd see it. And, and in the same way, God says, let your love be sincere. It must be sincere without wax. When it's exposed to the sun, are there faults? Is it fake? Is it not authentic? Are you exposed when you compare what you're saying and doing to Jesus? Let our love, it must be, there's, there's no choice. It must be sincere. Uh, another version says, let love be without hypocrisy. Same verse, just a different version. Let love be without hypocrisy. Now, what's hypocrisy mean? Uh, this Greek word, I'm not going to try to say it, means actor or stage player. A hypocrite is someone who puts on a mask and is like super religious, spiritual in front of people. But when they're alone, they take the mask off and they're binging on porn and getting drunk and all of that. That's, that's a hypocrite. And you know why uh, most people don't come to church? When invited, they give two reasons. What are the reasons? Too many hypocrites, that's number one. What else? They're always asking for money. Now, the irony isn't lost on me. The, the first thing I did tonight <laughs> was ask for money, and now I'm talking about hypocrites. I get it. The thing is that I know I'm not a hypocrite because we rarely talk about money. I, I mean, I know that for a fact. But most people won't come to church because they Christians are hypocrites and they're always asking for money. 
I know. I did ask for money. Listen, we don't apologize for that either. Because we've always been honest with you. If there's a need, we will let you know. Otherwise, man, we don't even pass a plate. We don't talk about, we talk about the giving principles, but we don't talk about money that often. Okay? So, let love be without hypocrisy. Um, is there a reason that people look at Christians and say, I'm not going to, I think most of your Christians are you're just hypocrites. Is there a reason for that? Well, there is. I think in most religions, actually, but there is in Christianity. We've had a number of um, very high-level, well-known Christians that have fallen publicly in, out of grace and disgraced the name of Jesus. That, that's for sure. Um, so there are reasons why some people would say, hey, Christians, you're just hypocrites. But God tells us to be different than that, right? It must be sincere. Your love must be sincere. You must not be hypocrites, Christians. Be who you really are. Be authentic. Be real. Okay? Uh, the second part, well, here's a good verse. I like Abraham Lincoln says, I des-, and this is about integrity. That's why I love this quote. I desire to so conduct the affairs of this administration that if at the end I have lost every other friend on earth, I shall at least have one friend left. And that friend shall be down inside of me. In other words, I'll still have my integrity. Because he had peace about what the decisions he was making. The second part of Romans 12, 9 says, Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So the word hate there is, oh man, it is so strong in the original language. So strong. It's not just hate, but it's to detest or abhor. Uh, Evil should be odious. That, it's a root word for odious. like Odious like a skunk, okay? I mean, just think of that. We should treat evil and sin like a skunk. I don't know if you've smelled a skunk before. I grew up in Iowa, and very close to where I live was the Skunk River. I mean, that's how many skunks we have coming out of the cornfields, coming out of the, the forest. And you could smell a skunk literally a mile away. You can smell it a mile away. And if you run across one while you're taking a hike in the woods, man, you got to turn around and run as fast as you can. You do not want an encounter with a skunk. Okay? It should be the same way with sin. It should be the same way with evil. You should smell it coming a mile away. Don't keep walking toward it. Turn around and run the other way. That's what the Bible says. Hate, abhor what is evil. But we're also to do something else. We're supposed to cling to what is good or to grasp or hold on to, not let go of things that are good. And I think of like crazy glue. Have you ever crazy glued your fingers together? They eventually come off, obviously, but it is a little bit scary. Like, oh man, that is on there. We're to to hate evil and cling like crazy glue. Let, Let the good things stick to us. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul is trying to tell us. And I believe that if those Christian leaders that we saw a minute ago, had just obeyed this verse, this one verse, to hate evil and cling to what is good, then, then what they ended up doing would not have happened. I'm convinced of that. So, I'm going to end each little section with a question. Where are you struggling to obey God? In what areas? Listen, we all struggle. I struggle. Answer these questions. It'll help you apply what you're learning tonight. In your mind, where are you struggling to obey God? I just want to tell you, if, you're, if you have an area, then you need to find a Bible verse on that area and read it and memorize it. 
If you have trouble figuring out where to find a verse, Google will help you. I will help you. My wife, who is head of Memory Madness, will help you. We'll get you a verse. Whatever it is you're struggling, the Bible can help you. Amen? All right, that's number one. Here's the second practical thing that love does. Love, woo, all the way to four. Might have you guys go back. I'm not sure why it skipped ahead. But number two is, fill in the blank, love is devoted to other believers. Love is devoted to other believers. We'll go to verse 10. Paul says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. So being devoted is more than just being friends, isn't it? When, when you say you're devoted to something, you have, uh, some of you are devoted to a couple of these teams that are going to be in the Super Bowl tomorrow. And, and I was warned about the, the place I'm going, that their fans are, the, the people that are going to be at this party that I'm going to tomorrow, they, they are radical. I'll just say it. They're Chiefs fans, and they're radical. <laughs> and they have, they have, I was warned, you're a pastor. You may not like the language they're going to use because it's going to be, it's like, but I'm going, okay? Um, that's devotion. The Bible says be devoted to what? To one another, to, uh, to, to our church, to people in our church, other Christians, be devoted like you are to the 49ers or Chiefs. Be devoted to other Christians like that. Be committed. Be loyal. Be dedicated to one another. That's radical. But that's what God calls us to do. Uh, we need to not only be devoted, we need to consider others, what? Better than ourselves. That's what we're told in Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. But... In humility, consider others better than yourselves. This is a great verse to have your children when they're little memorize with brother and sister. The Bible says you need to treat your brother and sister better than yourself. Well, I want this toy. Well, you need to let them have it because you need to treat them better. That's what the Bible says. We need to be devoted to one another above ourselves. The problem is we're typically devoted to one person. And who is that? Ourselves. We're devoted to us. We take care of us first. And I was, you know, there's so many points here. I was just thinking, trying to think of examples to help you. And one example I, I thought of happened just Thursday night. I have four boys, all in their 20s. And the oldest one is in a, in a band that was going to headline down in Provo at a venue on Thursday night. So I took my third oldest and we went down to the venue and watched the concert. And it was, it was fun. It was a good time. I'd never been to this venue in Provo. And uh, my oldest son didn't know when he was going to go on. He told us 7.30, so I got there at 7. And then when we got there, it turns out the venue doesn't even open until like 8. And there's three bands before my son's. And I'm thinking, I, he's going to go on at 10. I would have been asleep for two hours <laughs> had I been at home. And I'm not joking. It's like I said, son, I don't know if I'm going to be here by the time you get done playing. I just told him that. Anyway, um, I was there, and there was a bunch of people that I knew because I know my son's friends, and uh, some rockers came from, from the church, and, and they saw me, and I, you know, standing up for four hours, starting at, you know, seven at night, for me, it, they could just tell, they felt bad for me, is what I'll say. <laughs> and my son, they were there, to the left there, next to the stage, there was just these three stools. Nobody was sitting. Everybody was standing. My son just went and grabbed one and brought it to me. 
I said, how'd you get that? Who'd you ask? He goes, I didn't ask anybody. And he just brought it. He said, here you go. Now, he could have sat on it himself, but he didn't. He was thinking about me. He put my needs above his own. And that's just one simple example. God wants us to devote ourselves to other believers. Um, it also talks about honoring one another above ourselves. To honor. To give, what is to give honor? I heard someone define it this way. Honor is this. When somebody walks in the room and you go, oh, I can't believe I could have been in the same room as you. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, that, that's honor. That, that's the feeling of honor. And we're told to honor other people. And just to cut to the chase, I, I started thinking, now who do I know that is really good at honoring others? And, and I thought of a number of people, one that came right to the top, I hope he's still in the room here. Steel, where are you at? Is he here? Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Um, yeah, I really honor Brian. Where's Brian? No. Is he here? He's gone. Tony, I see Tony. Thank you. Tony is so good at honoring. I was just thinking about you today. Paige is good. Paige is Steele's sister. No, you are, sister. I'm not kidding. You are an example of, you honor people so well. Like your brother, you both do. You were taught well. I, know your, I knew your parents, and they taught you well. You guys know how to thank people. You know how to praise people. You're always writing cards, texting, thanking people. You and Steele are amazing examples of knowing how to honor people. It's hard to honor you, except that I'm on stage and you can't say anything about it right now. <laughs> That's the only way I can honor you. But I honor you and Steele. My point is this. Find people that you know are good at this and imitate them. We often say, man, we got to... My wife and I, we got to send a thank you note. The Crosswhites would do that. we gotta, we got to do the same thing. Find somebody and imitate them, okay? All right, so we got to go faster here because I am. Where am I? Am I on the first point? No, I'm on the second point. Okay, has anyone loved or honored you well? Think about it. Like I thought of the Crosswhites. Think about it. Who has loved you or honored you well? And imitate them. Imitate them. Watch what they do and imitate them. Number three, uh, what else does love do? It loves whole, it, it love wholeheartedly serves others. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in passion. Other verses say don't be slothful. It's probably the King James. That's why we don't read it because nobody says that word, Okay. But the point is, be zealous, be passionate in spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Now, how do we do that? Because we got to jump right to it. How do we do this? How do we not lack zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor in serving God? Here's the best way to serve God, is to serve people. Jesus said, the, uh, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me, says Jesus. That one of the best ways to serve God is to serve his people. Because when you do that, you are serving God. So I just want you to know, whatever your job is, whatever it is that you're doing to serve people, it could be the most menial job. It could be something that nobody sees and you don't 
think you're appreciated. It could be you're a stay-at-home mom with kids or you're behind the scenes or at a desk where nobody sees you and you're serving people. I just want you to know that God sees you. He sees you serving people and says, you're serving me. You need to remember that. You know, I remember that. I, I'm the toilet cleaner in our house. Okay. Um, my boys help when they live with me. Uh, they're moving out a week from tomorrow, so we'll be empty nesters a week from tomorrow. And I will be the toilet cleaner of four toilets now. Okay? And I'm not kidding you. I, I've cleaned toilets for my whole life. Um, and when I clean my toilets at my house, I clean them good. Okay? I'm just telling you, I'm a good toilet cleaner. I'm not bragging. Maybe a little bit. But, but here's what I do. When I'm cleaning the toilet, I'm not kidding if you... I'm alone. There's nobody watching you clean a toilet. And I'm scrubbing with the, I have a Lysol and a, and a sponge. And I go clear behind as far as you can get. Now, imagine my position where my face is as I'm reaching <laughs> to clean. And almost every time, I can't remember a time I hadn't. Is, uh, uh, while I'm doing that, I stop. I just did it last week. I stop and I look up and say, God, this is for you. <laughs> I do. Every, I say it out loud. And then I keep cleaning because I believe that. Otherwise, no one's going to check behind there. But I know God. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing it for God. We need to zealously serve the Lord. Amen? Who can you serve this week unnoticed? What can you do for someone without being noticed? Again, I'm trying to give you practical things here. Don't just let this go by. Think about it. What can you do this week unnoticed? I challenge you to think of something. Let's go to number four. What else does love do? Love responds positively to trials. Positively to trials. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. How do we do that? It's pretty straightforward. Be joyful in hope. Be patient when things are hard. Be faithful in prayer. But how do we do that? For me, I think the best way is to remember what God has done for us and where we're going. If we want to be joyful in hope and, and patient when things are hard, remember what God's done for us and where we're going when we die. If I can think of those two things, I can, I can obey this. I can pray more. I can be joyful in hope. I can do all these things if I remember that. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He endured the cross. Remember what he's done and where we're going. Um, you know, I, you've heard this story. I'm going to give it shortly. You heard the story about the woman who told her pastor, when I die, I want to be buried with a fork in the casket, so I'm going to be holding a fork. Have you ever heard that? And, uh, and then you're going to stand by the casket. And he said, well, why? He goes, well, when I, she said, when I grew up, uh, we had lots of family dinners. And my grandmother would always say at the end of the meal, keep your fork because the best is yet to come. And she said... At my casket, at my funeral, I want you to stand there. And when people say, what's the fork for? She say, you tell them that she knows that the best is yet to come. This life is done, but the best is yet to come. We remember that. We can be joyful in hope. All right? This is a great quote that I'm not going to, because for the sake of time, I'm looking at the clock. This is, this is crazy. Uh, if, you, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. I like that. Do you have joy? If not, then, man, you got to be thinking about what God's done for you and where you are going. 
going through trials, get your mind on heaven. I gave you a little, you can take a picture of that if you want, or just go to trc.life forward slash heaven. I did a whole five-week series on heaven. It will fire, it'll jack you up, it'll fire you up. It'll help you get your mind off your trials in heaven where they should be. Okay, number five, love practices generosity and hospitality. Verse 13 says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bottom line, we are to help God's people who are in need. This is practically how not to be a hypocrite. This is practically how to be sincere in our love by helping other believers who have needs. And as a church, we do that. We have our care uh, page. If you go there, I mean, there's tons of ways that you can join us in us helping people. We have, you know, needs like we give we gave over 300 meals away this year. There's international needs. There's foster parents. There's adoption. There's uh, just just if you have a need to move because you have no help, we can we can help you with that. But God calls us to share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Use your gifts. Use your time. Use your money. Use your house. Use your stuff to bless other believers. Bless other believers. And it says God's people. You say, aren't we supposed to bless everybody? Of course we are. Are we, we to be partial towards God's people? Absolutely. We're told that over and over and over in Scripture. And that's what it said here. God's people. Look for needs in God's people. Do you know a believer in need? If you know a believer in need, let me just say this. Why not do something about it? Why not you do something about it? Don't wait for somebody else. You do something about that need that you know about. Okay? Number six, love reacts constructively to persecution. In verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. You know, most of us aren't being persecuted every day for being a Christian. There's not people that are locking us up, putting us in prison, uh, giving us a cat of nine tails on our back. You know, we're we're not getting persecuted that way. The apostle Paul did. But we typically don't. So we apply it this way. Are we, have we been misunderstood? Have we been abused? Have we been mistreated? Are there people that wrong us uh, and we don't deserve it? That can be persecution. And God says, bless them. Don't curse them. Uh, the thing is that not cursing is okay. That's somewhat easy. For most of us, we can bite our tongue. But we typically aren't going to lash out at somebody and start cursing them. Typically, okay? That's not as hard. But to bless those who are succeeding where we wish we were succeeding, they're getting married, they're getting the house, they're getting the job, they're getting their churches growing faster, they're, they're prettier, they're handsomer. That's harder to rejoice with them, isn't it? They got pregnant, we can't get pregnant. That's where it's challenging. But that's what we're called to do. The Apostle Paul did it. We can do it as well. Let me ask you, has someone mistreated you or you've felt that way? Determined to bless them. Find some way to bless them. Even if it's anonymously. How can you bless that person? If it snows this week, go over to their house early in the morning, scoop their driveway, clean off their car, and then leave without them knowing. Something like that. I'm I'm trying to give you practical ideas, okay? That's number six. Here's number seven. Love empathizes with both a happy and sad people. In verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. 
Again, this is a whole message. This verse is a whole message. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. How do we do this? Um, it, it's hard. Empathy is what we need. We need empathy, not sympathy so much as empathy. Empathy enters into your pain and can relate to it on a level. You remember your experiences, so you enter into that pain. It's not like, oh, that looks really hard. Want a, want a sandwich? I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure what to do here. Empathy enters into the pain. I remember when our dog died like six years ago, and it was hard. It was hard for a whole family. It was we were grieving hard, tears every day, and and uh, we got lots of lots of people were, you know, we got lots of crumble cookies. I'll just say that we got crumble cookies, we got cards, we got people, but the best thing was Zacardi's. They're they're over there crying right now, is because they came to our house. They knew our dog. They lived right up the street. They were in our small group. They came to our front door, and just cried. They just cried. With us. I'll never forget that. They just stood there and cried with us. You guys, you're a great example of empathy. That's empathy right there. There's nothing wrong with telling people I'm sorry and that's got to be difficult and giving them crumble cookies. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But man, crying with somebody who's crying. I'm not good at that, but some of you are. And that's what God calls us to. Now, I said that one first so I could get to the happy part. It says also, be happy with those who are happy, right? Um, We need to make sure that we rejoice with people who are succeeding and we're sad with those who are sad. Amen. So, who has empathized with you? I just gave you an example. Has, Has anyone ever empathized with you, entered into your pain? They've been there. They've been through something like that. Not that you're trying to tell them, I've been through it. You're going to be fine. No, that's not it. It's just... You're in it, and you're just with, I'll be with you here. You know somebody like that? Imitate them. Imitate them. Number eight, love shows special regard for the less fortunate. Love shows special regard for the less fortunate. Verse 16, live in harmony or peace and unity with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. If we cut to the chase on this, what is it that keeps us from associating with people that we deem below us or not worthy of our time or they're they're not as cool as us? What keeps us from doing that? It says it right there, pride. Pride keeps us from obeying this verse. Pride is something that we need to deal with. Um, Proverbs 15 says, if we don't deal with it, the Lord will because he tears down the, the house of the proud man. But Uh, He keeps the widow's boundaries intact. It is so critical. Again, I've given all messages on pride, to purge pride from our life. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. G.K. Chesterton said, if I had only one sermon to preach, it would be a sermon against pride. Charles Spurgeon said, pride may be set down as the sin of human nature. Pride is so wicked, and it'll keep us from obeying these verses. You know, one antidote to pride when it comes to serving people that we would deem below us is to serve needy people. Go out of your way to serve them. 
And there's ways to do that in this church. You can do mission trips. You can, there's prison ministry. There's lots of ways. I've been to Honduras, Mexico, Romania on mission trips. And it's humbled my heart. And it's good for my soul to serve people when you see them in abject poverty living in cardboard boxes. It's good for my soul. And it breaks down my pride. So, ready to humble yourself? <laughs> Find a way to serve people who are less fortunate than you. Find a way to serve them. Again, if you're looking for ways, go to our CARES page. We can help you. Number nine, love refuses to act in kind to evil. Verse 17 and 18 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Respond, listen, responding with kindness in the face of evil or injustice is otherworldly. The world will just look at you and say, how could you not react and, and you know, lash out at that person who mistreated you? They see that that's from God. Only God can help you do this because it's so much fun to get revenge. I mean, let's just face it. We, we like thinking about it. We daydream about it. God says, no, 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 don't do it. Uh, don't act in kind. All right, Ephesians says, be kind and compassionate to everyone. Be kind and compassionate to everyone. There's no doubt that we live in a cancel culture. Just the opposite of being kind to people who hurt you. Just the opposite. You, you blow it one time. You give, you give just a slight indication that you believe something different to this culture, and, they, and, and you're done. They cancel you. They, and there's no forget. There's no coming back if they have any sense that you disagree with them. That's not a Christian virtue. We're to forgive. There's no forgiveness with this crowd. No forgiveness with this crowd at all. It is not a Christian virtue. We need to forgive. We need to not treat people in kind to evil. Romans, yeah, it, if it is possible, I just want to make a comment on that. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm glad they put that in there because there's, there are people in this world that refuse to even talk to me, will not talk to me. And I've pursued them. I've emailed them. I've had other pastors go to them and say, Bill, just want, he want, he'll get on his knees. What, what is wrong? Why won't you talk to him? And they just won't. And they said, they don't, they don't, they said I'll see you on the other side of heaven. They don't want to talk to me. They've been offended somehow. And I'm sure I have offended them, but I don't know how. And there's no way for me to get it right. I'm glad it says, if it is possible. I've realized it's not possible with this person. If they came to me, I'd be open. Oh, totally. But sometimes it's not. But that's not you. <laughs> or me most of the time, because I haven't tried everything. We cancel people way too quickly. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So, is there anyone you are not at peace with? If there is, I just challenge you to reach out to them, if it's possible. If it's possible. Okay. Okay. Number 10, we're getting there. Love rejects all temptations for revenge. It says in verse 19 through 21, last couple of verses here, do not take revenge, my friends. Let me read that again. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's a good thing, by the way. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me just give you a newsflash on this idea of taking revenge. Newsflash. God is the God of the universe. He is the judge of the universe, and he doesn't need your help to exact revenge. He doesn't need your help. He'll do a fine job by himself. And another newsflash, no one gets away with anything. No one ever gets away with anything, ever, because God sees. And God will bring revenge. And he will bring punishment. And he will bring justice. We need to believe that. As God's children, him being our heavenly father, we need to trust him like my kids had to trust me when they come to me and say, Stephen took my toy. And he wants to get revenge. It's like, no, 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 son. <laughs> no, you stay right here. I'm big enough. I'm big enough to take care. You stay right there. I'll go take care of this. There's nothing more that the kids want than justice. And there's nothing more than our kids' hearts want than justice. But we need to let God be the one that brings revenge. And we need to focus on doing good. Amen? Okay. Are you tempted to take revenge? Are you tempted? I got one word for you. What's the word? Don't. Don't do it. Let God do it. So that's it. Paul's top 10 list on how to practically love other people. Let's summarize and we'll be done. What does God want you to do, to do, to do with what you've heard tonight, what you've learned? James says, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I want you to leave tonight with one thing that you're going to do this week that applies faith and helps you love people more. Love is a verb. Love does. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this time and thank you for this section of verses. Pray that you would help all of us, all of us leave tonight and apply one thing that we can apply faith to. Help us to do it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.